Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan coming to you talking about Garen's message on October 15th about Nehemiah 6. And we're kind of in the middle of it here, Garen. Yeah, getting close to halfway through the book. 13 chapters, chapters, So yeah, we hit the half... Yeah, waypoint. And if we're not going to do much with seven, then we're, we're going to be in the back. Yeah, we're going to we finally made it halfway over the wall. Now everybody's going to get tired and worn out. Classic Garen, just only teaching the chapters that he wants to teach. You know, <laughs> just really skips over the hard stuff. <laughs> really, if you read ahead to seven, you'll know exactly why he's not going to teach on it. But we can't even fault you, Garen, because you did reach into seven and even pull some good. Yeah, stuff I even out pulled of out the the first three verses are the most so important. We'll so we'll talk about that a little bit later, but. This one was all about um, Nehemiah versus the bad guys versus kind of the recurring villains. Yes. It's almost like we're watching a show and these recurring villains keep showing back up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, these guys are back again for another episode. Yeah. It's like Roadrunner and the Coyote. Yeah. Like, how's he going to outsmart him this time? Yeah, that's good. And so they're trying to lure him outside of the city. They're trying to do whatever they can to throw him off. And Nehemiah, because he is filled with the spirit of God and God's hand is on him, is just acting so wisely and he's discerning and has some good lessons for yeah, us. A lot of good lessons. So I started my stopwatch, Garen, on Sunday morning, and we made it a whole 3.6 seconds before the, you hit the brakes. So that was good. 3.6? Yeah, that's that was, awesome. Is that, a, <laughs> that's a, is that a record? That's, that's, a, that's, that's pretty the, quick. That's the fastest we've ever hit them. So, um, yeah, you, but uh, that's you, funny. you did a good job once again of kind of stopping us and making sure we understood things, which I really appreciate, even though I give you a hard time. It is really good that you do that. But essentially, you kind of took us through the tactics, right? That the enemies of Nehemiah were trying to use and then how he responded to them and just pulled out the little nuggets there. Even before we get started, I don't know, was there anything before we get into the weeds here that you just wanted to say about the chapter or couldn't say on Sunday morning or should we just jump in? No, I think as we jump in, I mean, but I think I what I will say is the guys show up in verse one and it's, I think the main theme I was trying to communicate is that the enemy is relentless. The opposition's relentless. Satan's relentless. Yeah. We can get, we'll get that towards the end. But that's why I think that chapter's in there. It's like five, five, six, I mean, four, five, six, boom, boom, boom. There's always something going wrong and the mm-hmm. enemies at work. So, yeah. Yeah. And we'll come back to that. We but. will. We'll talk more about that later. But that's good. We kind of know where we're going now. So the first tactic that they used was intrigue. They said in verse two, hey, come meet with us. We're in the plane of Ono. Which you pointed out was yeah, like, yeah, oh, as we're no. sitting top, yeah, like, oh no, that was like, a real there's a reason ball. it was, yeah, that was. How'd like, you miss that one, Garen? There's a reason that was in there. Oh, oh no, no. Yeah. Nehemiah, don't maybe do that's it. how he that's, knew it was a trap. Yeah, that's where the crowd goes. Oh no, it was, oh no. Uh, so they're trying to lure him there, but he discerns that it's a trap, right? And his response is, I can't. I've got to work, right? Once again, Nehemiah keeping first things first. Yep. Keeping his hands to the work, keeping his eyes on God. Yep, eyes on the ball. He's not going to be distracted by these other things. So that that flops. So then the next thing in verses five to seven, they're trying to use 
innuendo, as you put it, right? They're trying to use rumors and gossip and say, hey, there's some stuff circulating that yeah, there's some you're going to revolt there. and you want to be the king, we hear. And, oh, what if this gets back to the king of Babylon? He won't like yeah, that. So yeah. maybe you should come and set yeah. the record straight. Yeah. And they're trying to just use rumors to basically um, strike fear into him. And you pointed out, man, this is why, I mean, I enjoy reading this on my own, but when you teach it, you always hit things that I miss. This uh, unsealed letter. Yeah. To me, it was just like a little, you know, flyover detail, but you kind of shared something really unique about that. So what's the importance of the unsealed letter? Yeah, that in that culture in that day, official documents were always sealed. And like I pointed out, it's still that way in England with the crown. And the fact that it was unsealed meant that he he intended, he knew that it would be read as it was passed on. Because in yeah. those days, you didn't, the only person that broke the seal was the person it was written to. Mm-hmm. And so he intentionally didn't seal it because he knew everybody who got it would unroll it and be mm-hmm. like, whoa. You're walking down the road. You got nothing better yeah, to do. You got nothing You're better to do. You're going to read somebody's mail. That's of right. Course. Yep. So he wanted these rumors to get circulated, not just to Nehemiah, but he wanted everybody to start talking. Oh man, did you know yeah. that? Nehemiah's this is what's really going on. And, oh, he said he's really building the wall. What he's really doing is yeah. setting up a kingdom. But of course, Nehemiah unfazed because he is just the man. And so in verse eight, he says pretty, pretty plainly, if you were to write, you couldn't write a more like direct <laughs> shutdown <laughs> it's response. It's so funny. It's like a drop, a mic drop yeah, moment, right? He says, um, no, you're making that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just so I know. matter it's of fact. Just, no, you're making even though up. they had said, and Geshem says it's true. Right, like yeah. he's the most believable oh, guy in the world, right? Oh, Geshem, Geshem, oh, if Geshem says, says it's, true. it's true. Right, yeah. That, that is just so, funny. it's very funny. Yeah. And you know, Jordan, I mean, that is gossip and rumor. And there's some stuff I left out about that, that one thing is there's no source in it. Geshem says it's true, but they never say with the reports. And frequently yeah. gossip is like, Oh, I've heard that you're doing this, or I've heard this about you. There are a few people saying Uh this. There are some people. But there's no real source to it. Yeah, but usually there's not a source identified. Yeah. And it's, um, there's inaccuracies in it. There's things that are not true. This report had things that were not true. So whenever gossip's being passed, there's always going to be inaccuracies, things exaggerated, blown out of proportion, half the story told, right? And it seemed like there was one other thing I was just thinking about related to, oh, and the purpose of gossip is to undermine people. You know, we do it as if we care. Oh, I really care about, Mm. I care about them or, but did you hear? Yeah. Yeah, But really the intent is to undermine their authority and legitimacy. And that's, Mm. that's what they're trying to do. Or their character. Yep. Yeah. James writes about gossip. It's obviously something that is really harmful to humans and hasn't gone away in the thousands of years that we've been here. So if it was an issue here in Nehemiah, if James is writing about it in the first century and we're still dealing with it here, what are some, I don't know, practical ways to make sure we we keep gossip out of 12th or just out of our lives in, in general? Yeah. So one thing that made the editing floor, the cutting floor, um, just the reminder from Proverbs 6, 16 and 19, when God says, there's seven things I hate. And the last two are people who spread false rumors about others and those who undermine the unity of the community of the body. So he hates disunity. He hates gossip. So I think that's the starting point is number one, as much as it's a morsel, Proverbs says it's a morsel that tastes good to remind ourselves that God hates it. And that I don't need to be talking about people behind their back in a way to undermine them. Yeah. Right. So, and when we're gossiping a lot of times, isn't that born out of some pain or something we're working through? 
So maybe the better move, instead of gossiping and trying to prop ourselves up or yeah. tear somebody else down, is maybe to get to the root of that and yeah. say, why am I having this issue yeah. with whoever? Maybe I need to think a little deeper about yeah, it than just spouting yeah, off. That's really good. Right. So, a lot of time there is a deeper issue that we yeah. need to delve into. Yeah. So um, so we talked about all that. Yeah. Verse 9, um, they're still just obviously trying to use fear and intimidation against Nehemiah, and it's not working. So. Yeah. It's so crazy that it's clear. It's the same two things in chapter 4. Fear, they're trying to, yeah, intimidation is the big thing. They're using fear and they're trying to discourage them to make his hand weak. Right. So it's always fear and discouragement. It's like Satan does different things, but it's all kind of the same thing. And we'll talk in a minute. Lies is what underlies all of it. Mm-hmm. That's his ultimate weapon is just disinformation. Yep. But- disinformation. Tactic three in verse 10. So now we're, we're ramping it up, Karen. Okay. We couldn't lure him out. He's not responding to the rumors and things. So now it gets personal, as, as yeah. Coach Prime would say. Yeah. They made it personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shemaiah, they hire this priest, Shemaiah. A prophet. Yeah. Or this, uh-huh. this prophet. He's Religious a, dude. He's not a priest. He's uh, a prophet. prophet. Uh-huh. He's a prophet. Okay. Um, so they hire this prophet, Shemaiah, to give Nehemiah a false word and say, hey, you better come into the temple, stay safe, because. You know, God has told me they're yeah. going to try. Assassins to are kill, coming. They're going to kill you. Tonight. you. Yeah. Come with me. Let's go in the temple. And shut and the so doors. Verse 11, he responds first. And I understand this one. He says, should I run? Right. That could really ruin my reputation with the people that could make their leader. You know, people are going to do what their leader does. Yeah. So if I run, everybody runs. Yeah. So yes. just from a leadership standpoint, yep. this is not a good move. Yep. But then he goes deeper. Um, and he says, and actually I'm not even allowed yeah. in the temple. Right. I'm not a Levite. Yeah. I'm not a priest. So I'd actually be breaking God's law yep. by going in there. Yep. And so for him, it's more than just this like top level of that's not what good leaders do. It goes deeper. It goes to his to, commitment to the word, to character, yeah. to obedience. This is actually against God. Yeah, this is against God. And it reminded me, we were, we're talking about Joseph of the Old Testament in, uh, in youth group. And last week mm. we, we taught about him and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's wife's trying to talk him into it. And he says, this would be a sin against my master who's been so good to me, but I can't remember the verse. He says, ultimately this would go against what God says. And so he has that in common with Nehemiah. Not only is this not good on a horizontal level, like leadership human wise, but vertically in my relationship with God, like this sin is against him too. And so both of these leaders have this sense that their sin is not just against others, but it's first and foremost against a holy God. And so just Nehemiah showing off once again, that he is a man of God's word and, man of really good yeah, integrity. Yeah, knows the word and he won't, he's going to keep it and obedient. Yep, yeah. so important. So in light of all that, you know, in verse 14, he says, you know what, God, I'm going to give this to you. God, you take care of it. I'm not going to try and uh, create my own plan and go my own way and hide in the temple or run or whatever. I'm not going to get worked up. I'm just going to say, yeah. God. I'm not going to try to get revenge on these guys. Yeah. That's not my task. We got to put the gates in. Yeah. You take care of those people. Could, I mean, man, we don't have time to talk about this a lot, but like, if you rack your brain, can you think of somebody in the Bible, aside from Jesus, obviously, who has like a clearer picture of who God is? Like Nehemiah just understands who God is so well and he lives into it so well. It's like, God, you're the one who takes care of me. Like, I'm going to give this to you. I'm not going to worry about it. And the pressure's on this guy. Yeah. Like the walls are not It's huge pressure. Right. There's death threats. There's people looking to him and- man, he just looks to God every time and says, God, I'm going to lean on your character. Yeah. Nehemiah, Garen, you have really like elevated, elevated the, Nehemiah. Yeah, I, that's why I've loved him for so long. When I get to new creation, 
I thought I was going to beeline for like David or Mo. No, I'm yeah, going to the Nehemiah that's line, what, man. That's me too. There's not going to be a lot him. around no, this. No, there's not. A lot of 12ers yeah. who went through this study. <laughs> and they're like, why are all these people from Kansas coming up to me? <laughs> oh, Garen Todd, not Nehemiah. So anyways, we look yeah. up to Nehemiah. He's a, he's a good one. Okay. Um, okay. Now we get into it. Verse 15, very important. The wall is completed. It's all done in 52, 52 days. days. Do you think we can get some of these fast working Israelites on the uh, construction cruise in Emporia? Because <laughs> Prairie's been down for like three weeks and nobody's doing anything about yeah, it. Or any of the highway, highways, construction. I yeah. just read online on KVOE, there's another water main break last night. So like, can we get some of these Israelites over here? And if they could build a wall in 52 days, they could fix these pipes in a week, man. Yeah, or how about the highway from Council Grove up to Manhattan? Oh, don't get me we definitely, on that. Yeah, we definitely I've need I've had to there. take so many dirt roads to get to Manhattan in the last, in literally year or two. I know, it's been... It's right. a year, almost a year and We're a half. Digressing. Okay, we won't. We're getting off task here, but. But can I tell you something really cool about this yeah. in reading about this? That was really quick. And archaeologists have found a portion of Nehemiah's wall about a decade ago. Pat and I got to see it when we were in Israel, the portion. And the archaeologists say it, it was built, but it wasn't built super great. Mm. And they could tell it was built pretty fast. Oh. So it actually shows the accuracy of this, that it did happen in a very quick time frame. Yeah. And they just had to get the wall up. They needed a defense. So I mean, on one hand, it wasn't built super well, I guess, but on the other hand, it's 2023 and there's a part of it that's still Yeah, and there's a part of it that's still there. So So like but it's really interesting. interesting. They could actually tell from the archaeology that it was huh. built pretty quick. Interesting. That and, it wasn't and a built long by, term. Well, probably because it was and, built by yeah, perfume, perfume makers. makers so right. not, not the best and brightest on it. You know, like they got, they got the pastors out there <laughs> laying mortar. So of course it's not going to look the best. That is really neat though. So that lines up with. Yeah. Nehemiah. Lines up with. Uh, okay. Yep. The history proves it. And the cool part of that is, so once the wall is completed in 15 and verse 16, it immediately says, and so the enemies of Israel were what? Were filled they with were fear? Feared, filled with fear. And they lost confidence. And they lost confidence. Which is exactly what they were trying to do to the Israelites. Yep, the two things, right? Generate fear and discouragement. Uh-huh. It came, God turned it on their head. Yeah. And he always does that. He turns things on Satan's head all the time. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a cool detail. Very neat. And it reminded me, Jordan, I, again, this made the cutting room floor, but when I read that, it reminded me when the two spies show up in Rahab's house. Oh, and yeah. And she says- Caleb and Joshua, right? Uh, no, we, they're unnamed guys. Joshua oh, the, sends them these in. These are but, other ones. Uh-huh. Okay. And she just says, can I tell you guys the truth? She said, we're scared to death of you. Mm. We've heard the stories of what happened in the Red Sea. We've heard of that king over there that got, you know, you guys kind of wiped that dude out. And we're shaking at our boots. And they said, and the nations around us are shaking our boots. And we believe you serve the Lord of heaven. Mm. And so just again, that because they in that, that they're scared and they say, God did this. Yeah. And so it reminded me so much of that, that mm. when God does things like that, that even the people who don't fear him, yeah. they fear him. Right. Right. They don't fear him in an awe inspiring right. obedient way. They fear him like, oh my gosh, this is, yeah. So it's how God turns that on their head is pretty cool. Interesting. You kind of see, you know, you talk about threads that run throughout the whole Bible. That seems to be one of those threads yeah. that runs, you know? Yes of God's enemies being fearful of him uh-huh. because of what he does. Yeah, because his name is exalted and lifted up and then the people who are against him end up being afraid because... Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That would be a cool thread to follow the whole way through, God's enemies being fearful. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Once again, we kind of digress. Okay, tactic four, um, verses 17 to 19. It gets a little less fun from here on out. Less fun. Because, because the, the wall's done. and you The think- wall's done, 
Book book over. Yeah, that's it. Go home. No more opposition. But the truth is that um, there is ongoing sabotage and intimidation. And just because the wall is finished doesn't mean that Nehemiah's enemies will stop. That's or right. Back down. So we, we learned that there are still people on the inside feeding Nehemiah false information, or they at least have an agenda. Yes, they've got an agenda. And it's not for Israel's good, and it's not for Nehemiah's good. And they have Nehemiah's ear, and they're trying to bend his ear towards them for financial gain or whatever yeah. it is. Saying so. nice things about Tobiah, right. even though Tobiah is sending him intimidating letters at the same time. It's just so funny how how evil works, right? Yeah. How darkness works. So just because the wall was complete, the opposition didn't stop. And the opposition was, you know, like you said, it's one thing for it to come from the outside, but it was coming from the inside. Yeah. And so it's got to be discouraging to Nehemiah on some level. Oh yeah, sure. You've got to be, right. You think he just goes to bed at night and he's praying and he's reading scripture and he's spending time with God. But I just wonder in his spirit, how much of his time is spent on trying to just fight that discouragement. Yeah. And that's, isn't that why he prays in this chapter, Lord, strengthen my hand? Right. Because he, he faced that discouragement. His identity had to totally be in God and not what others said or the circumstances or his read on things. Because if his identity was in any of that, and he would have given up, yep. I think. Right. So. Yeah, I'm done with this. I'm, and so you and I were talking ahead of time, what this, what's this mean for us, Jordan? Because we're living as restorers. Mm, yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, yeah. The task is never finished, is right. it? Right. It's never finished. When you're working with people and souls, yes, those things never finish. You know, I can, it's part of the reason I climb a 14er. It's something I can finish. Yeah. I can work for it. I can get to the top <laughs> and it's done. Or I saw Lisa the other day sanding a table outside yes. for the library. Uh-huh. And, I, and at first I was like, Lisa, like, you don't have to do that. Like, we've, you know, I can help or whatever. And she's like, you know what? Honestly, it's good to just finish a task. Yes. <laughs> because so often when you're living as a restorer, things can feel unfinished. Yeah, they feel very unfinished. Or like, even when you do see a victory, there's another yep. task right after it. Another task, or you see a victory here and then Satan is showing up over here yeah. and he's getting you a different way. So the message there maybe is, as we live as restorers to... Not hope for, you know, not hope that it will be completely done on yep. this side of heaven. Because if our hope is in that, okay, I restored this, whew, it's good. Then, you know, there's going to be another thing. So if our hope is in that, we're going to be dismayed. Yeah. So our hope is in Jesus and ultimately his restoration. Yeah. And that's why in the diagram, if you remember when I do the thing, it's, it's creation, corruption, restoration in two parts. Right now it's partial. Yeah. When he returns, it'll be final. And I've got to realize that, that I'm not going to finish the task. Yeah. People... I'm still broken. You know, I might get a victory here and then I'm going to take two steps back. Sure. I'm not going to be finished. None of us is finished, but to hang in there. Yeah. And again, to know that Satan's relentless, that he's not going to give up on fighting us. Yeah. Tooth and nail till the end. So and it's our, just. So our hope has to be in the living hope of Jesus, yeah. right? Yep. I was just talking with a friend this morning about the Middle East struggle. And I don't know a lot about that. I just read and talk to different people, but that is something that, it just seems unsolvable yeah, yes. and there's so much pain and death on right. both sides. And so I, I mean, I'm removed from it by a lot, but I, it's still discouraging to me. Yeah. And it's like, man, not to say we shouldn't work for restoration in that, but if our hope is in one day finding an answer to that or any of the other problems in life that are unsolvable, it's like, if our hope is in finding an answer to those things, it's not going to. Yeah. Our hope always in Jesus. Yeah, it's got to be in something When bigger. he comes, he will be the one that restores all things yes. and reconciles all things and right. renews all things. And so often when I find myself getting, I don't know about you, but when I find my spirits low, it's because I've put my hope 
in an earthly restoration uh-huh. where it's like, man, I really need this to work out. Yeah. I need this person to be, um, to, to realize and to make right with this. Per- it's like, I mean, I can hope for those things, but if my hope's not rooted in something deeper, I'm going to yeah, be that's disappointed. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Then you kind of moved into chapter seven a little bit because we're not doing seven. Yeah. Um, and the meat was in the first three verses. But the I meat's felt like. in the first three. Yeah. So I'll just put it out there from, in my notes, it says that Nehemiah begins to raise up other leaders and that those leaders are people of integrity and they're the ones that fear God more than uh-huh. most. Those are more to it. Yeah. I think that. one that he's willing, like George Washington, he's willing to say, I'm not going to, I'm not here for power. Oh, what yeah. they were saying in the rumor that I'm going to be king, that's not true. That's not why I'm here. Oh. The wall's done. I'm stepping back from He's that. He's giving away power. I'm going to give away power. Yeah. I'm going to point other people into it, both spiritual leaders and civic. But he says, but what matters is who they are. And so I want them to be people of integrity and who fear God more yeah. than most. And, and then also he sets up more safety measures because he knows the enemy's relentless and he knows it's not going to stop. Yeah. So he's such a wise guy. He's always a step ahead. I think maybe the application at 12th is um, the staff has a reach, but the 400 restorers who attend church here have a bigger reach. And so we are trying to be like Nehemiah and give away authority and give away resources and empower people to go. Yeah. Because if it's just up to you and me and a few others, our reach is going to be pretty small. Yeah. So realize that, you know, wherever you attend church, if it's 12th or somewhere else, that you are a restorer yeah. and your leaders are looking to, emp- I mean, if they're good leaders are looking to empower you and send you yeah. um, to yep. go. You know, fill the gaps that we all have to fill. Yeah, to fill the gaps, right. And we're going to say in chapter eight, when we get there, we'll see him even more of that giving power away. Yeah. He's a pretty cool dude. Okay, so to wrap up, you, you said your main point was just to realize that Satan is, is relentless, that the attacks come from inside and outside and he'll use any means possible any to get means. to us. It's it's unending. So if your hope is in that one day uh, on this side of heaven, it's all going to be good. Yeah, sorry to burst your bubble, but yeah. it's it's until Jesus comes back yep. and makes all things yep. right that we're going to be And that's why the first one is just be mindful of the battle. The so, battle's ongoing. So, so just keep that in mind. And before we even get into that, Garen, maybe a little, make a word from you, like about... Um, we're living as restorers. Can you talk to us? And maybe you'll talk more in a later chapter, but just about like how to rest and what's the rhythm of like being restored, but also taking time to rest so that we don't burn ourselves out. Like, is there any time to talk about yeah. that? Actually, what's funny is because you mentioned that earlier, I'm like, you know what? In like two or three chapters, he's going to talk about Sabbath. Okay. And the importance of so it. So that's coming. So we will get to that because it is important because okay. we do have to have that, that pattern in our lives yeah. that we don't always keep, but to our detriment. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you need to be, yeah, Sabbath from those things. So, mm-hmm. okay. Good catch, man. Yeah. So you said Satan's relentless and you kind of took us into the the takeaway, right? That one, we got to be mindful of the battle. Yep. Mindful that there's always- There's an enemy and that's the opposition's unending. Yeah. The opposition's unending. And, and I find myself mindful of things and I know we're all mindful of things in our lives. You know, maybe you're mindful of a sale that's coming up or mindful of future plans. Or for me, like maybe I'm mindful of my kid's schedule or my fantasy football matchup. Like there's things that are always on the back burner in my mind. Yeah. I'm kind of this low level aware of them. Yeah. KUK State game at the end of November. Yeah. In in Lawrence. Which Bailey Emig has gone on record and said she's personally nervous for. <laughs> and she's a lifelong EMA, so... Purple, purple Nation is quaking in their boots. That's what I take that as. But all that to say, like, 
this is something that needs to rise above all that, right? That at least be in our mind that there mm-hmm. is a battle. And so it's not an excuse to say, well, I'm just really busy. I forget about the battle at hand. It's like, you remember other things. I remember other things. This has to be something that is on our mind that we're thinking about um, during our during our daily lives, right? Yeah. I've actually got a dragon strategically placed somewhere that I see it pretty often to remind me mm. that the great dragon, Satan, is continually out living as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So, but I, it's easy. It's still easy for me to forget because we live in a culture. We don't see it like in a lot of places around the world. They see him so clearly. The yeah. opposition is so in your face, kind of like Nehemiah. We see it different. It's a lot more subtle with us. So it's easy to forget. Is that that dragon hood ornament that's on the top front of your truck? Is that what that is? <laughs> that's a Jayhawk, actually. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It looks so ferocious. Yeah, that was for Adam. I threw that one out for Adam. Yeah, <laughs> It's not a dragon, Adam. It's a Jayhawk. <laughs> Don't be scared, Adam. It's okay. It won't bite you. So the second one, the second takeaway here is because Satan's relentless, we have to armor up, right? Armor so up. We went through Ephesians 6. We won't take you through all that. The one thing I, I wanted to end with here was this idea of counter talk. You recently read or have chatted with people who have read um, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. Uh-huh. And in there, he talks about this idea of counter talk. And can you talk about just briefly again, what that is, remind us and how it's different from what you, just how it's new to you, I yeah. guess, maybe. Because when I was a young believer, I was taught really early on my t- sin struggles, the sins that so easily beset me to identify scripture and memorize scripture related to those. And whenever I was tempted to do a sin, to quote that scripture as a way to combat it and to say to myself and Satan, I'm not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. And I did that and it was really helpful. This new thing that was a new idea is this is like, okay, Satan is not only wanting to tempt me, but Satan is, he's the father of lies. It's its his native language, right? And the what's under all of these tactics is deception and lies and misinformation. And he's going to undermine me with lies. And so there are narratives and things, thoughts, that I tend to think, that I think we all struggle with. There's all, you know, there's days you're like, you're a loser. I'm, I'm talking about myself, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just a loser, Garen. Mm-hmm. You know, you messed something up or that'll never get fixed. Mm-hmm. You, that was a royal screw up or see, you can't change mm-hmm. or that mistake you made, irredeemable, nothing good. will come. You know, there's these just lies we tell ourselves and then they defeat us and discourage us and they can take you out for a day or two, right? The mm-hmm. way you're walking around, the way you're you're not focused on the task. Mm-hmm. So somebody saying and what John Mark was saying is we need to take those lies and we need to do the same thing that we do with our sin. Identify a lie, identify a scripture. So instead of, you know, the the, the loser that that um maybe it's some of the identity things um or like I'll never be good enough or like, you know, in what Romans that um I'm, now they're all slipping out of my mind. I've already been thinking about this, but you have scripture that counteract the lie. Yeah. And then that I, when I'm dealing with that lie, that I'll actually say it, I'll quote the scripture and I change the channel. That's for the, us old fogies mm. where we, on the dial, we used to actually change the channel or I'll change my, the input. There you go. Right. I'm on HDMI one, <laughs> which is the lie. I'm going to change the HDMI two, which is that scriptural input into my life. So there you go. Okay. So yeah, this idea of counter talking and using scripture to not just fight temptation, but to fight to false, f- false, to narratives. Fight false narratives yeah. that I tend to struggle with yeah, and that just pop their head, you know, in my mind. And we've all got things that we struggle with. Yeah. Or, or maybe we're even struggling with an individual and in our mind, they will never change. Mm. That's not true. They're not beyond God's redemption or God working in their heart. Right. So I need to memorize a scripture 
that tells me that God is at work in people's lives okay. and that that's a lie when I tell myself that. And sure. what it does is it keeps me from, it, it's an excuse to quit dealing with people. Yeah, right. right. And that's what Satan wants. Oh yeah, yeah, they're irredeemable. You're irredeemable, but God would say, no, I'm still at work there. So you keep praying, you yeah. keep waiting, you keep pursuing, you keep okay. loving. That's really so, good. Okay, Nehemiah 6 uh, slash 7, a little bit too, is good. If you want to read 7, go for it. You said mostly it was the list of people who returned back to the city. Right? Yeah, and like the this the, these six Levites came from that Levite dude. And mm-hmm. just so read it out loud to your family and and see how well you do with the see names. See how long it takes your kids yeah. to fall asleep. <laughs> okay. Um, Nehemiah 8 looks good. Any like teaser for it? And uh, yeah, a couple things that we're going to do two weeks on missions focus, and then we're going to come back to the beginning of November oh. to chapter eight. Okay. So be um, this Sunday's baptism. Yeah. A missions intro, missions conference. We want to be at all that stuff because that's okay. all part of our mission. Good, good. We'll come back chapter eight. Now, so Nehemiah has been working on the walls. Now it's time to work on the people of God. That's what the rest of the book is. So now it's like the intermission. We got to wait. Yeah, it's kind of the intermission. A few minutes break. Like the old movies were. That's what it used to be when I was a kid. There'd literally be an intermission. The curtains would close. People would get up and get snacks. You'd come back. That's where we're at right now. Yeah, that's where we're at. We're at the intermission. All right, we're excited to get back to it in a few weeks. So baptism Sunday coming up, mission Sunday coming up. Both really good things. So... Looking forward to that. Thanks, guys, for being with us. Nehemiah 6 and 7. Hopefully, it was useful to you. It's created discussion for you in your triads or quads or small groups. So stay on it, and we'll be back at it again soon. See you guys.